episode 15 we are waiting for all of the uh, places I'm streaming to go live so we'll just give it a few moments longer and then we'll get into a proper introduction here so looks like we're all live to go in all sites so once again welcome to the breakdown with Birkenoff episode 15 I can't believe we are already 15 episodes in Today's uh, live stream and podcast is we're going to be covering a lot of different topics. And the first real big topic that I wanted to talk about on uh, today's stream is to do with uh, general COVID information as well as how much it's impacted small businesses in particular. So we're going to be spending quite a bit of time on that. But we're also going to visit some more allegations that Trump's team and and voter fraud claims that have been made and a couple of other things relating to Trump are Biden. Biden has named some cabinet members that we briefly discussed on the last uh, on the last topic. But he hasn't really added any more names to that list yet. So I was going to wait at least a couple more weeks or until he becomes president fully to name uh, or to talk about his cabinet seats in particular. Hopefully there's not too much background noise for the podcast listeners or to anybody who's viewing live right now. I am doing it outside and it is a slightly bit cold, windy day. So I hope that there's not too much background noise uh, picking up from the wind and not other uh, platforms that you particularly wanted to be focused on. So now that we got all of that kind of out of the way, I quickly wanted to mention Freedom Scoop. I am a part of the Freedom Scoop network and there are many other content creators like me. So if you like this information I talk about on my uh, podcast or live streams that you've heard before, make sure you check out anybody for the Freedom Scoop. You have Steven Ingeramus, Jay uh, Jay Edgar or J.R. Edgar who both do daily shows if not multiple shows a day so I highly recommend checking out their content if you want summaries of news or just their general topics or general thoughts about uh, what's going on in today's ward but we also have the generational gap and they do a show every Wednesday and Friday that kind of talks about the news and their thoughts about it as well but we also have the Freckles and Brit show and the R-rated conservative on DLive and I think that's all I cover, if I am remembering right. But I would highly, highly, highly recommend you check out anybody from the Freedom Scoop Network if you like what you've heard from me so far. But before we dive in to the particular parts of the podcast and information I wanted to cover, I know it's getting a little bit long for the introduction, but I just want to mention one more thing, and then I promise we'll get into the actual information for today's episode. And that is, I want to thank anybody who has followed me recently, including Hilda Beast, Kid Blur, Michael McAllister, Comrade Bubbles, and Round Midnight Underscore. And Round Midnight Underscore, our Doc Midnight, is also a doctor and fellow Twitch streamer. So if you want to hear any information on COVID or listen to last week's episode where I actually had him on as a guest with my co-host Anna Voltas on the Getting the Answers podcast, that is also going to be up this week or now by the time you are listening to today's podcast. But long story short, he is very good if you want to hear any information about COVID in particular. So, 
Woo! Introductions now out of the way. So let's get into today's episode. And I am a little bit excited to cover today's news, but I don't. But the new as we go on through this do this podcast, I'm probably going to become less and less excited or less and less uh, uh, optimistic because what we're covering in today's news is very sad and is a topic that many people uh, need to be uh, thinking about a little bit more. So. Those who are viewing the podcast live, you see a picture of this uh, Twitter poster, Senorita, or at Senorita underscore says, posted this kind of funny meme, for lack of the better words, and it has all the major corporations as children with somebody on the ground uh, kind of laying on their back, like getting kind of fake beat up, if you want to say, and they have different sort of names for the child who are kicking or punching or videoing this person who's kind of getting fake beat up, and the children who are kind of doing the beating are Walmart, China, Amazon, and lockdowns to the person that's taking the beating or taking the suffering from what's happening in today's world. And I do think that that is a large part to what COVID has done in the United States. But at the same time, you have to look at it in a few different perspectives because COVID is something that it should be taken very seriously. And some would even argue that we should take it more seriously than we already do. But we're going to be talking about those sort of topics a little bit later. But I thought we would first kind of start with that to be kind of funny. And those who are uh, listening on audio only, hopefully I was able to describe it enough to where you can visualize it in your head. But our first major topic here is uh, Biden holding some roundtables questioning election integrity, but also small business integrity. And I thought it was best to kind of post this here before we dive in. Because as I was mentioning at the introduction of today's uh, podcast was that small businesses are really suffering. No matter where you live, there is a good amount of percentage of businesses that have closed down because of COVID-19 are massive res- restrictions that the governors are, are uh, mayors, are, are legislators, or any sort of person who passes down these laws have placed on restaurants, for example. We're going to be covering several major places where they have seen huge loss of small businesses. Uh, And it tends to happen in very highly populated, very city-like areas such as Houston, California, uh, more specifically San Francisco, LA. You know, those sort of big popular areas that have a lot of people and have uh, a high population of people and and, uh, mayors or governors who tend to lean more towards wanting to close down compared to let's say Texas who has a uh, governor who is taking more of an approach of trying to keep things open for as long as possible. But let's dive into this article and this is by the Washington Post. President-elect Joe Biden sought to keep a focus on the economy Wednesday by holding a virtual roundtable with workers and small business owners affected by the downturn. During the event, Biden called for members of Congress to come together and pass a robust package of relief aimed at the coronavirus pandemic. President Trump taped a 46-minute address from inside the the White House in which he repeated and debunked misleading claims that his election lost with the result of widespread voter fraud and corruption. 
In Georgia, the Secretary of State, Brad Rinsfer, a Republican, chimed Trump for questioning the integrity of the state elections. Comments he said were responsible for a valley of threats against election workers. Christopher Curbs, the governor's outside top election security official, also denounced such threats, calling them calling them un-American and un uh, sorry, and undemocratic in the Washington Post live event Wednesday. <clears throat> And we are going to also watch that live event a little bit later in today's uh, podcast or listen to, but you get what I'm saying. We're going to talk about that event a little bit later, so we'll hold off on talking about that for now. But one of the major concerns people have about COVID-19 and just how you, you could say the business structure is set up or how economy uh, is working right now is that these people who are large business owners, such as Jeff Bezos, are increasing their massive amounts of wealth, while people who are struggling to pay uh, for food to buy on for their uh, are struggling. Uh, repeat. Yeah, people like Jeff Bezos who are spending a lot of money, are not spending a lot of money, but are gaining a lot of money from people buying stuff through their service. And Jeff Bezos is not the only one, but Jeff Bezos has drastically increased his wealth because of the way his business works through Amazon and being a mass shipping company through um, online on- online shipping. You can get whatever you want from Amazon and you can have it to your house. And if you have Amazon Prime, you can have it to your house within a couple days, if not the day after. So he's created such a big system and with everyone being stuck inside and people wanting to do something or buy something, uh, try out a new gadget so they can keep themselves busy within their house, what they've been stuck at, his wealth has drastically increased. And in some cases, I've heard that it's increased by two times the amount. And he has become a multi, 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 multi billionaire off of the COVID-19 epidemic. While many small business owners are struggling to live paycheck by paycheck, even if they are getting their paycheck from, from, from what they do. So it's become a very complex system and many people are, are wanting to favor a system that approaches business in the way business is done and economics is done in America and have a more uh, everybody's in the pot approach instead of people who are outside the pot and inside the pot. So in other words, people are wanting there to be a less uh, capitalistic approach to how business is done in America and for lack of the better words, a more socialist or more communistic approach to how uh, business is done. And what I mean by that is that wealth is, is shared uh, across everybody and you have people like Jeff Bales not gaining the system for lack of better words not doubling their wealth during a pandemic but rather everybody having just enough to survive so more small businesses and the integrity and the backbone of the U.S. economy stays alive through the effort of individual Americans providing a service to other Americans instead of just one American, in the case of Jeff Bezos being a CEO of a multi-multi-multi-huge company, uh, gaining his wealth in that way. And that's something that I've heard a lot approach. Many people 
have, have said that they should take more of an approach where the government supports small businesses through, uh, let's just say, kind of like universal basic income as An Andrew Yang was approaching, but giving businesses enough money so that they can survive uh, and not focus so much on corporations. So in other words, the government should ignore corporations and focus on small businesses because they are the backbone of the country. So really that's all I kind of wanted to mention on there. And I do have an article in case anybody is interested in reading more about how Jeff Bezos was able to increase his net worth or just how much he's increased his net worth. I do have an article on uh, my YouTube channel if you're listening live or on my podcast whenever it comes up in the description. So, I just wanted to quickly mention that. But we're going to talk about some small businesses and just the struggle we are seeing. And I thought I would quickly mention just a brief article or a brief study I found. And I'll just read the study in the words. It is by uh, Nine News and it says, Verify, are 800 small businesses closing each day in the U.S.? One study says 800 small businesses are closing a day, but official numbers won't be known for some time. Here's what our Verify team found out. The effort of COVID-19 on small businesses across has left an impact on many opportunities, or sorry, many communities. <laughs> Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar is one of many people who are calling for another coronavirus stimulus package. In one social post, she specifically cited a study about businesses closers in the U.S. It claimed that 800 small businesses a day are closing across the country. And it has her uh, Twitter post where she mentioned that in the article as well. We are waiting for the article to scroll down. Here we go. So their answer is, yes, a study done by Yelp found that roughly 160,000 businesses closed between April and September this year. But that number is an estimate based on one source. More data is, is needed to determine whether the number of closures is actually higher or lower than that. Additionally, to see the real impact of COVID-19, it's important to, to compare the official number to closures in a typical year without a pandemic. And then they search it a little bit more. But even if the claim that 800 small businesses aren't closing a day, and let's say it's 400, let's say it's half of what they're saying, it's still a massive number. And the fact that there's even the idea of that many small businesses closing is something that should be rather concerning for any American. Because as I've already said on this podcast and in this short what 15 minutes we've been live so far is the fact that small businesses are the backbone or at least the supposed to be the backbone of the United States economy and not major corporations. So let's get into a Pacific article about New York. Nearly one third of New York and uh, New Jersey small businesses reportedly closed in 2020 and this is by the New York Post. It has been a bad year Nearly one-third of small businesses in New York and New Jersey remain closed since January aimed the coronavirus pandemic, according to a watchdog. In the Empire State, 27.8% of small businesses have not reopened their doors, while Jersey has lost 31.2% as of November 16th, according to TrackTheRecovery.org, a Harvard-run database. <clears throat> 
The figures are in line with estimates from the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, which says that 28% of the Garden State's small businesses had shut up shop by the end of October, according to the Star-Ledger newspaper. And with the region now seeing a resurgence of the virus, business leaders are worried the number could go even higher. And it talks a little bit about some business owners' concerns and politician concerns relating to how many small business closures have happened in New York or New Jersey. But we also have some more examples, like I was mentioning earlier with San Francisco, and this is by ABC7 News. More than 2,000 San Francisco businesses permanently closed since March. Data shows it's their life's work. <clears throat> in total, 5,048 businesses in San Francisco, Oakland, Hayward Metro area closed it from March 1st to July 10th per data analyzed from Yelp listings. Data reveals 2,065 businesses have indicated they closed permanently during that time frame, with 369 restaurants closed and 303 retail businesses closed. A small business is someone's dream, said Pete Mulve, owner of Green Apple Books. It's their life's work, and to see somebody shuttered is awful. He also said, if businesses don't approve, the stories won't survive six more months. We are living off inventory that we bought years ago, he said. We are selling it to help pay for things. The new reality is answering this question. How can I pay my bills? And it talks about some other concerns that individual San Francisco small business owners have also had when relating to the COVID-19 pandemic. But that is not the only case of COVID-19 as well. We also have something from a CNN article that is loading that talks a little bit more about some closures that small businesses are facing within this complex pandemic situation of wanting to keep people safe but also keeping the economy moving forward. And Houston uh, also has some big impacts on COVID-19 and I was just going to mention this. I do have the article linked in the description if you want to read it just to make sure uh, just to make sure for yourself but the article states that we're roughly about 30 to 40 percent of uh, businesses in uh, Houston have closed down sorry restaurants have closed down because of the pandemic now this next thing is a CNN article and the headline states Trump talks of another four years during the White House Christmas reception President Donald Trump talked during a Christmas reception at the White House on Tuesday about spending four more years in office, whether that starts in January 2021 or January 2025. It's an amazing four years, Trump told the room, filled with many people not wearing masks despite public health officials' guidance aimed at the COVID-19 pandemic. We are trying to do another four years, otherwise you will see you for years. So basically all Trump was doing was hinting that he is going to have another four years. I'm going to make sure I haven't missed anyone's comments yet uh, in the description here. Don't see anything on YouTube. Uh, don't see anything on DLive. So it looks like we're good for a comic section. So I'll talk about a little bit more about this article. I just want to make sure nobody had any comments about small business closures. <clears throat> The president addressed guests from the White House Grand Staircase. Though several people were wearing masks, many were not and some were audibly coughing. Trump lost his bid for a second term. 
who has yet to concede to President-elect Joe Biden, even though his administration has allowed the official presidential transition to begin. By the way, I've heard, and I can't back this up 100% for myself, I would have to do more research and... Uh, it's not something I particularly care about enough to research anyway, but I have heard that the reason Trump was doing the transition was because that what he, that is what he was supposed to do. So essentially, Trump probably didn't want to uh, initiate the uh, transition, but if you follow history and you follow kind of what you're supposed to do in politics, he decided he was going to anyway because that's what he was supposed to do. The uh, Matt Christensen show, a show that happens every Sunday with his uh, co-host Bond, he was kind of talking about that. And he was basically, our Bond, his co-host, was basically making the joke that uh, somebody from Trump's team probably had to go into his office and say, Hey, uh, Mr. Trump, uh, I'm sorry that you said this on your, your Twitter here. But uh, unfortunately, this isn't what, what uh, history says or this isn't what... The uh, law requires so you're gonna have to kind of start your uh, transition here uh, mr. president so uh, yeah can you uh, go ahead and kind of do that <laughs> you know what I mean so Trump says many things on his Twitter or Facebook or well well Twitter I don't even know if Trump has a Facebook I assume he probably does but we all know that when people talk about Trump and what he says on social media it's in reference to his uh, his uh, Twitter account so, anyway, so I don't know if that claim is 100% true or not. I'm sure it has some truth to it, so we'll have to keep that in mind. But then again, it, like I said before, it's not something that really interests me enough to research and make sure that it is the case. Because either way, uh, Trump has most likely lost the election at this point, unless if his team can provide... Uh, more than just circumstantial type of evidence or more than just talking about evidence but actually getting evidence passed through the courts and whatnot but we'll get to that whole voter fraud claims and further on on this episode <clears throat> trump lost his bid for a second term last month but he has yet to concede to president-elect joe biden even though his administration has allowed the official presidential transition to begin a Trump campaign advisor told CNN there has been dis dis discussions about a potential event on Trump's future plans. That event could be scheduled around Inauguration Day, the advisor said. Trump is expected to hint at a run in 2024, leaving the door open to, to a comeback campaign. So that was kind of the main article at that point. So in this uh, Christmas gathering event for Donald Trump and his first lady, they were hinting that he was going to run again in 2024. Uh, really, it's not that surprising. I've heard many people talk about that Donald Trump would probably run in 2024 if he lost. It would just more be about if he's wanting to run another four years and go through what he had to go through already. But we all know that Donald Trump is a very narcissistic person. He's somebody that, that values himself at the top and wants to prove to everybody. He wants to make sure that you think he is the best president America has ever had. And many people are never, ever, ever going to think that Donald Trump is the best president but that's besides the point he wants you he wants everybody he wants you the person I'm talking to right now to think that he is the best president period 
So, because of that, Trump could probably run in 2024. Uh, this next article is also by CNN, and it talks about Bill Barr. And one of the weird things about Bill Barr, and again, I need to do more research or at least remember in particular what Bill Barr was for. But I know at one point, the left type of figures of the left media, whoo, the left media was basically saying that Bill Barr was the devil. He was somebody that you can't trust. You shouldn't. You shouldn't support. You. You. Everything he says is a lie. But now they're wanting to take his claim and the most popular quote that came off of his election fraud uh, comments and say that he is smart. He is somebody we trust. He is somebody we believe. But then again, all media sources do that. So I don't know if you can necessarily deny every claim that uh, CNN now is making towards Bill Barr and him being a good guy instead of a bad guy that he was not that long ago because politics, politics is rapidly changing. But we'll just go on with this article by CNN and the headline reads, or reads <clears throat> Bill Barr bashed in right-wing media after election fraud comments. He is either a liar or a fool or both. <clears throat> Since he was confirmed as Attorney General, William Barr has been somewhat of a hero in the right-wing media universe. He was he was assaulted the Russian probe. He has talked a big game about cracking down on Antifa. He has sharply criticized the news media. Oh, and it goes on. But his celebrity status took a hit on Tuesday when he undercut President Trump's brazenly false contradiction that there were massive voter fraud in 2020 election. Speaking to the Associated Press, Barr said that, To date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. This statement from Barr which merely recited a simple fact, not only cut against what Trump has been saying, but also what Trump's propaganda and allies in the right-wing media have been feeding their audiences for weeks. These media personalities have stung their audiences along, struggling that damning proof of fraud was right around the corner, which is the which is the which which is why the comment from Barr stung so bad. And his actual comment is what we've read already beforehand. So obviously, uh, the biggest thing about voting fraud and the allegations that are coming forward now, and I guess I'll quickly mention this on the podcast here and on this uh, live stream here uh, right away. I am going to be doing a podcast, if not multiple streams, depending on just how big the scale is, excuse me. <laughs> depending how big the scale is, on new voter fraud allegations. It'll probably be uh, next week, if not uh, a little bit later. I'm waiting for actual physical evidence to come off of what Trump has been claiming. I haven't really seen that much evidence. There's been a lot of, of circumstantial evidence and doctor claims and whatnot from uh, historically, or doctor meaning PhD in mathematics, statisticians, I guess you could say, Looking at the data and seeing that nothing really makes sense. There's been a lot of that. But I'm waiting for, I guess you could say, hard evidence when relating to voter fraud. So I am going to be doing a stream off of that. But the biggest thing about these voter fraud allegations is you have people that are looking at this evidence. For now, let's just say circumstantial evidence. And saying that they believe it. And therefore, there's enough physical evidence to overturn this election. But you have the other people on the other side of the political spectrum 
that uh, keep hearing these these broad claims that the campaign is making or or uh, the process is making, and then deciding that they haven't really showed anything yet. You have the famous comment that you, they want to release the Kraken, but we haven't really seen this supposed Kraken that they were supposed to have released for the voter fraud claims. So a lot of people are simply frustrated that Trump's campaign team for these voter fraud or his legal team, not so much campaign team, I guess you would say, but his legal team, it has keep saying that they have this major evidence, but they have yet to show really any evidence. But you do have to take into account a little bit the way the legal system in the United States works. You don't necessarily want to show your cards before you actually go in to present what your cards are for, if that makes sense. And there is a lot to that for the legal system. But at the same time, America is not... The American election process is not something you can wait years for when making these fraud claims. It is going to be decided in January, period, final. And we are already in December now. So the amount of time that these claims have to go through the, the, the court system or maybe even the Supreme Court and all to decide on who the president is or what exactly happens through these allegations is very limited. So the idea that, that you're going to be able to show proof of the allegations and overturn the election uh, is getting less and less as the more days, uh, as, as less days, uh, is becoming less, man, come on, what? The, the days are becoming limited, I guess you could say. I had a very clever sentence in my mind, but it completely escaped. So I'll take a quick uh, drink break here before we get into this next article. It's loading now. While it's loading, I'll check the comment section, make sure I haven't missed anything yet. Looking good on DLive and looking good on uh, YouTube here. Alrighty. <clears throat> and this article is also by CNN and it states, Trump associates, including Giuliani, are asking for pardons. Because if you didn't know, there's been a lot of claims, especially more from uh, Tulsi Gabbard, a Democrat, who was saying that, that Trump should pardon Edward Snowden, 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 Edward Snowden, and there was another guy, I can't remember his uh, name right now, but that's kind of besides the point, but that Trump should pardon those two as uh, whistleblowers are their uh, efforts they made to expose the media or to expose what was happening uh, wrongfully in the United States. But we'll continue on with what CNN has to state for uh, Giuliani wanting pardons. <clears throat> President Donald Trump's associates are making appeals to him in the hopes of obtaining pardons before he leaves office, a source familiar with the matter told CNN on Tuesday. The source said that a list of associates broaching are yeah, uh, the subject of primitive pardons that would seek to shield those individuals from prosecution includes Ruby Giuliani, who has been leading the president's long, short legal battles to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in his role as Trump's personal attorney. Since the election, Trump has been discussing with advisors, primitively pardoning several people close to him, including his children, son-in-law, and Giuliani. 
A separate source familiar confirmed to CNN the potential pardon list includes others who are close to the president and could be legally vulnerable but have not yet been charged. Donald Trump Jr. was under investigation by special court Robert Mueller for contacts he had with the Russians but has never been charged. Trump's son-in-law, Jerry Kushner, provided false information about his foreign contacts when applying for a secretary clearance, but tr Trump issued him one anyway. The president has told advisors he thinks that he and his family have been unfairly targeted and that he is concerned the legal pursuits could continue under the Biden Justice Department. So I thought that was rather interesting, and I haven't heard really anything against this. Now, I don't really know how much uh, pardons have been beforehand, so in other words, I don't know if this would really be something that's odd in politics, but from my limited knowledge and what I know, that does seem a little bit odd that uh, for Trump to pardon uh, family members in particular, but then again, I don't know if any president has necessarily done that in the past, but, but from a pure... I guess you could say a mathematical standpoint, or from a pure, I don't know if mathematical makes the most sense, but from a pure uh, moral standpoint, I don't think that that is necessarily a good idea. Alright, so we've gotten to most excited to share to you on today's live stream. Ooh, excuse me. Today's live stream, our podcast, is a top. Georgia election official getting emotional calling out Trump's election incitement. So I'm going to go ahead and play all of the clip because they didn't want to take anything out of context. And I think that all of his points are, uh, I think that all of his points are rather justified. So we will go ahead and play this and I'll make sure that our audio is working uh, for y'all guys to hear it. Up. This is going to be sort of a two-part press conference today. And at the beginning of this, I'm going to do my best to keep it together because it has all gone too far. All of it. Joe DeGeneva today asked for Chris Krebs a patriot who ran CISA to be shot. Before he gets too deep in his emotional uh, comments, not necessarily saying that it's bad for him to uh, necessarily be emotional in this case, but the before he dives deeply, I just wanted to quickly mention that in the article we mentioned at the beginning, uh, this is their, their, their claims of the Georgia official and what he was saying and his information. So that's where they're getting uh, his uh, topic from. So in other words, that first article I talked about where they mentioned Georgia is this guy right here. A 20-something tech in Gwinnett County today has death threats and a noose put out saying he should be hung for treason because he was transferring a report on batches from an EMS to a county computer so he could read it. It has to stop. Mr. President, you have not condemned these actions or this language. 
Senators, you have not condemned this language or these actions. This has to stop. We need you to step up, and if you're going to take a position of leadership, show some. My boss, Secretary Raffensperger, his address is out there. They have people doing caravans in front of their house. They've had people come onto their property. Trisha, his wife of 40 years, is getting sexualized threats through her cell phone. It has to stop. This is elections. This is the backbone of democracy. And all of you who have not said a damn word are complicit in this. It's too much. Yes, fight for every legal vote. Go through your due process. We encourage you. Use your First Amendment. That's fine. Death threats. Physical threats. Intimidation. It's too much. It's not right. They've lost the moral high ground to claim that it is. I don't have all the best words to do this because I'm angry. And the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back today is, again, this 20-year-old contractor for a voting system company just trying to do his job, just there. In fact, I talked to Dominion today, and I said he's one of the better ones they got. His family's getting harassed now. There's a noose out there with his name on it. It's, it's not right. I've got police protection outside my house. Fine. You know, I took a higher-profile higher job. I get it. Secretary ran for office. His wife knew that too. This kid took a job. I thought that was a pretty good claim he made here. Of the fact that when you take a job like uh, Secretary of State or Mayor or uh, any sort of higher governmental position for the city, for the state, for your representatives, any governmental position, you are taking some sort of risk at that level because you are a representative of those people but especially if you take a position like he is here where he is in charge of uh, votes and uh, the secretary and all that you're taking a huge position but if you just take a job then you shouldn't necessarily be uh, the one that's getting attacked as he is now I don't know anything about his claims in particular but I, uh, so I can't necessarily say with certainty that he didn't do anything. But if you take his word at hand and what he's saying, and he just took a job and was doing what he was told to do, and he's still getting attacked the way he is just because Trump uh, or his people think uh, that they should go against this person or should attack this person because they think he was responsible for changing the votes and 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 because Trump said so or whatever and you take that sort of approach I could see those claims but it's hard to say with certainty about anything and blaming Trump for his rhetoric and why that is what happened does seem a little bit far stretched but I can see where he's coming from just took a job and it's just wrong I can't begin to explain the level of anger I have right now over this. And every American, every Georgian, Republican and Democrat alike should have that same level of anger. Mr. President, it looks like you likely lost the state of Georgia. We're investigating. There's always a possibility. I get it. And you have the rights to go through the courts. What you don't have the ability to do, and you need to step up and say this, is stop inspiring people to commit potential acts of violence. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. And it's not right.
it's not right. And y'all, I don't have anything scripted. This is, like I said, I'm going to do my best to keep it together. All of this is wrong. The Geneva who, who said for Chris Krebs to get shot, it's a former U.S. attorney. He knows better. The people around the president know better. Mr. President, as the secretary said yesterday, people aren't giving you the best advice on what's actually going on the ground. It's time to look forward. If you want to run for your election in four years, fine, do it. But everything we're seeing right now, there's not a path. Be the bigger man here and stop, step in, tell your supporters, don't be violent, don't intimidate. All that's wrong, it's un-American. So that was kind of his all his claims there. And like I was mentioning before, he kind of really went into it in particular. I don't necessarily think you can speak in full absolutes as he was doing. But would it be good for Trump to denounce violence towards these people? Yes, it would. And it probably something that would also be politically smart for Donald Trump to do. But Donald Trump has made his entire presidency do not being a typical politician. So if you were a typical politician and this was happening, you would denounce it almost right away just so you would look good. And Donald Trump is not that type of person. So, again, I kind of already speaked on that point. So, I don't know if his claims are 100% truthful in all of those ways. But it definitely has some credence to it. And just because you're somebody that thinks Trump won and that Georgia costed Trump the election because this one voter in the Dominion software changed all the votes. And this person needs to, needs to go under attack. Or I need to, you know, wah! It, it, that doesn't make sense either. So I don't know if who's in the right for this particular case, I guess is the best way to put it. <clears throat> so this next uh, really video, it, I also have an article as well, but we're going to go on and play the video for it, is Dr. Shiva, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I would completely butcher it. And I don't really want to uh, butcher it, but he had a 32-minute and some change uh, press conference about some uh, voter irregularities he had for the selection from a statistical perspective. So we're going to go ahead and play part of that video on stream today. And like I was mentioning beforehand, I am going to do a... Uh, major uh, stream for particular allegations of voter fraud where we could dive more into bigger issues within it and kind of understand everything uh, more than just briefly going over highlights of what was being said in this conference. So as we wait for that to load and I find a spot, we will continue from then. Mm -mm. Sometimes I have all of these articles and videos loaded up, but a lot of times whenever I get outside or wherever I decide to physically do the podcast or live stream, they decide that they're going to go ahead and buffer or not decide to work. So that is very fun, but we're going to go ahead and see if we can find where I wanted to stop. All right. 
So I went ahead and skipped a little bit, and this is also linked into the uh, video description as well. So uh, you can always listen to this entire video or find the parts that I'm listening to in the channel description in my YouTube or in my podcast, wherever you are listening to it now. Turn up uh, positively correlates with percentage registered Republicans in a precinct. For Democrats and independents, the percent turnout negatively correlates with percent registered Democrats and percent registered independents in precincts. So that's just giving you um, the future of what was taking place in Maricopa County. Now getting back to this, we have the capability, the computer affords us the opportunity to do what we call uh, scenario testing. What are the potential scenarios of distribution of Republicans? Democrats, independents, libertarians, and greens, that if you were to look at the, the potential infinite possibility spaces, we haven't done all of them, but in the time that we have, what are the percentages of distributions of voters that would give rise to uh, produce President Trump's curve here? And what are the percentages that would give rise of those allocations of uh, Republicans, Democrats, uh, independents, Greens and Libertarians to give rise to Mr. Biden's percentage. And the reason we want to do this... So he was talking about why he picked those sort of statistical analysis proportions or ideas to get their overall percentage vote between the difference of the Libertarian, the difference of the Democrat, and the difference of the Republican. And he would go on to describe his process in more detail, as well as showing his data a little bit longer. But in case of keeping this podcast shorter than longer, you could briefly summarize it by saying it is statistically unlikely that the amount of overturned votes or the amount of votes went towards uh, Joe Biden all uh, instead of Donald Trump or a mixture of either way. So in other words, the idea of how so many votes automatically going towards Joe Biden the way they did is so statistically unlikely that it probably wouldn't happen again if this did actually happen in today's uh, political system or today's politics. <clears throat> We're going to get into this next article that's kind of a uh, funnier, sad, still type of article. Uh, and then we'll I'll check comment sections just to make sure before we get into the next kind of bigger portion of today's podcast. And this is also by the New York Post. <clears throat> Barack Obama takes jab at Hispanic voters for supporting Trump. Former Barack President... Sorry. Former President Barack Obama took a dig at Hispanic Americans who voted for President Trump, saying that they looked looked past his inflammatory and immigration policies because they were aligned on social issues. The 44th Commissioner-in-Chief made the remarks during a wide-ranging interview with the Breakfast Club radio program Wednesday while discussing what he hoped Democrats would take away from part one of his memoir, A Promised Land, released earlier this month. For those of us who live in D.C. or New York or O.A., Obama argued sometimes lack a good enough sense of how big the country is and how a lot of folks do not accept at all policies that people been living in large metropolitan areas take for granted. The former president turned to the topic of Hispanics who voted for Trump as an example. 
people who surprise surprised about a lot of Hispanic votes folks who voted for Trump but there is a lot of evangelical Hispanics who you know the fact that Trump says racist things about Mexicans or puts detains undocumented workers in cages they think that's less important than the fact that he supports their views on gay marriage or abortion he explained he goes on to talk a little bit more but I thought it was rather interesting that Barack Obama was kind of dissing uh, Hispanic voters who voted for Trump in the way he was. But at the same time, you can understand it from the perspective of Barack Obama in that way as well. But I'm going to quickly check the comment section before we move on here just to make sure I haven't missed anything. Alright, we look good there. We look good here. Alrighty, so we're looking good on comments. So we'll continue on with this. I'm going to take a quick drink break because there's a lot to talk about on this slide. And uh, yeah. Alright. These next two slides show uh, the coronavirus impact on the United States. And then the next one shows the coronavirus impact across the ward. So it has the cases and deaths. And this is a live uh, data slide, I guess you could say, that uh, shows relating to each other. <clears throat> and I believe they're getting, but it has the United States at the top with 14,420,790 total cases and deaths of 281,000. 365 followed by India which has 9,564,565 deaths followed then by Brazil who has 6,445,691 deaths and then that's followed by some European places uh, in particular being uh, Russia, France and the United Kingdom that we are going to be talking about a little bit later. But I thought it was kind of interesting to mention this uh, website or this YouTube channel that is doing the cases the way they are and showing kind of all of the countries laid out the, in, in, in one slide. And once again, the uh, all this data is linked in my YouTube channel description or podcast channel if you want to find this video for yourself and look at the particular place you want. As I mentioned before, and those who are watching live could see it happening right now as I show it in the uh, playback version. We are going to increase the speed drastically here. So I increased the speed by two times so you can kind of see what's happening. And this graphic that's showing on the screen here shows the progression of how these cases went from really the start of the uh, the uh, epidemic or, or yeah from the start of the virus to what's happening now so you see places like Spain and Italy that had it really bad at the beginning but now Russia France and United Kingdom have it bad and you can relate that to some restrictions that are happening but Russia has really been the, at the top of their game for a while now when it comes to European uh, coronavirus pandemic results from the European uh, European countries because I do feel like we need to pay attention a little bit to what's happening across the ocean 
because it's interesting to see what sort of policies they had and what happened or what resulted from their policies compared to what we did in the United States and to see kind of who uh, is approaching the idea better than the opposite sort of approach from that point. So if you're listening to this podcast, I would highly suggest you looking at those two graphics if that interests you at all. And again, they are linked in the description. But I find this one very interesting because it takes the start of the of the pandemic and then it goes all the way to the most recent date. And this was published on November 14th. So their most recent date that they show here is the, fifth, is the 14th. So we are getting information that is somewhat older at this point, but it still kind of shows the progression of what has happened in the past with the pandemic. And then if you are more interested, you can look at the particular restrictions that these countries were placed in and see uh, who had the better approach, if that's something that interests you. But I do think we all kind of think that uh, we all kind of wonder who had the best approach when it became when it came time to the pandemic, or when whoever approached the pandemic better. I guess is the best way to put that. We're waiting for the next article to load up, and this one is by Fox News. But before we get into the article, we're going to be talking briefly about the. Uh, Mm-mm. Sorry, we're going to be talking briefly about the uh, coronavirus vaccines that are happening and information relating to those vaccines. Excuse me, I am no doctor by any point. I'm not even anybody, I'm not even a uh, medic student. I'm not somebody who's studying to become a doctor, to become a nurse, to become whatever in the medical field. That's not what I'm doing. So I'm approaching this from a very... I guess you could say normal perspective instead of somebody that's coming from a more medical perspective. And I would highly recommend if you want to someone that approaches it more from a medical perspective to check out Round Midnight Underscore's Twitch channel. And that is also in the description of the podcast or YouTube channel as well. He is a doctor who uh, is is covering COVID news or COVID vaccines or just anything COVID related on his streams. And just kind of giving his approach to it, his ideas, his opinions, his what he, he thinks is better from a more scientific medical perspective than a normal or everyday person's perspective that may be a little bit more worried about the economy than anything else. So this is by uh, Fox News. It states more people died of suicide in Japan in one month than the entire coronavirus pandemic. Japan is struggling with mental health crisis as the coronavirus pandemic rages on, with more people dying in one month from suicide than from COVID-19 all year long, as the headline just stated. The National Police Agency said suicide surged to 2,153 in October alone, with more than 17,000 people taking their own lives this year to date. By comparison, fewer than 2,000 people in the country have died from COVID-19 in 2020. Experts say the pandemic has exacerbated mental health issues due to prolonged lockdowns, isolation for family members, unemployment, and other financial concerns and lack of school culture. Or sorry, school uh, culture. School structure. We need to seriously confront reality. Chief government spokesman uh, 
Kashinobo Kato said this week, announcing new initiatives to help people via suicide hotlines and social media outreach. So again, the United States is not alone on this issue of increasing suicide rates. And we have also seen that I, re I recently had a discussion with Anna Voltes on his channel, uh, the Anna Voltes uh, YouTube channel, where we talked about assisted suicide. And one of those things we were talking about in that episode was about the case of this uh, lady in uh, Canada where she decided that she was going to be have a assisted suicide performed on her or to get assisted suicide I guess would be the best words but to have a assisted suicide uh, because she didn't want to experience a second set of lockdowns and complete isolation like she had already had to gone through and another thing to note about that that particular case in, in, in particular was that she didn't have the virus but she just didn't want to, be, to have another set of lockdowns happen again. So it is very sad and if that's something assisted suicide is a topic that interests you or that claim in particular is a topic that interests you you could check out the Anna Voltes channel and our weekly show of getting the answers number two and we talk about that in a lot more detail but I thought I would quickly mention it here as well because it also relates to just how everybody is feeling with the whole pandemic itself through people just trying and struggling to have a positive mental perspective instead of a more negative mental mental perspective and approach as uh, isolation continues to happen and as stricter uh, rules and regulations start to become because we are experiencing winter months now everything's getting colder the flu is going to come in and we're just experiencing a very likely set of second sort of lockdowns to happen across the country This is another CNN article. There's a lot of CNN articles for today's podcast. It states, UK becomes first country to authorize Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine. First shots roll out next week. The United Kingdom has become the first Western nation to authorize a COVID-19 vaccine, a landmark movement in the coronavirus pandemic that paves the way for the first doses to be rolled out across the country next week. Help is on the way. Health Secretary Matt Hancock announced Wednesday morning that the UK regulators granted emergency authorization for vaccine made by the US pharmaceutical giant Pfizer and the German's partner Binotech. A final analysis of phase three trials of the vaccine shows it was 95% effective in preventing infections even in older adults that, that, and caused no serious safety concerns, Pfizer said last month. The announcement means that the UK has vaulted past the United States and European Union in their race to approve a vaccine months in into a pandemic that has killed almost 1.5 million people worldwide. We believe it is really the start to, of the end of the pandemic, Binotech CEO told CNN in an exclusive interview on Wednesday. The UK has ordered 40 million doses of the vaccine, enough to vaccinate 20 million people. Hanok told the BBC that an initial 800,000 doses would be delivered from Pfizer's faculties in Belgium to the UK next week, and many millions more before the end of the year.
And one of the quick claims about those vaccines in particular is that uh, these vaccines tend to have a, a different sort of trust rating. And what I mean by that is there tends to be some countries that are a little bit more skeptical of the vaccine. And I've heard many times that France is one of those places that just is a little bit skeptical about the vaccine and how uh, supposedly rushed this vaccine feels, even though we are in the midst of a pandemic. So the idea that the United Kingdom is first, I don't know if necessarily means that much because you want to make sure that the vaccine works and this isn't something that is going to do more harm. So the idea of just being first just because you can say you're first and the vaccine not to work is something that is scary. If the claims of it being 95% are effective and the side effects of uh, the worst case scenarios are limited, in other words, if the, the worst case scenario side effects are low, not many people get them and the, 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 the type of side effect that, that comes out of it is low, then you could consider that vaccine success and then being first a really, really, really big success. But if the vaccine doesn't prove to work as well, doesn't have a 95% success rate, or maybe there's a large uh, virus uh, mutation in the case of the worst uh, example of what could happen, then you could potentially put your people at risk even more just because you could say that you were first. Excuse me. North Korean hackers are said to have targeted companies working on the COVID-19 vaccine. So North Korean hackers have targeted at least six pharmaceutical companies in the U.S., the U.K., and South Korea working on COVID-19 treatments, according to the people familiar with the matter, as the regime seeks sensitive information it could sell or weaponize. The firms include previously unreported targets in the U.S., Johnson & Johnson, and Maryland-based Nova, Novavax, Inc., which are both working on experimental vaccines, the people said. The list also includes three South South Korean companies with COVID-19 drugs in earlier clinical trials. North Korea has also tried in, fear, in, in UK-based AstraZeneca, whose vaccine co-developed with the University of Oxford, has been shown to be as much as 90% effective and is seeking emergency approval. The people said on Friday, Reuters reported that sus suspected North Korean hackers had tried to break into the system of AstraZeneca, citing unnamed sources. So the idea that some uh, North Korean hackers, or in this case, or hackers in general in this case, could want to hack into the data or get data for themselves or see just how far they're along or, or get the data so that they can replicate it themselves does not seem that, like that odd of an idea. So the idea that it could be happening or maybe is happening, again, doesn't seem that far stretched to me. So I could see where that could be the case for sure. So I thought I would quickly kind of mention that as it is another sort of news that is happening for the vaccine. So I was talking a little bit about potential side effects that could come from the vaccine. And one of the major side effects that could come from it is, as this article states, uh, symptoms of, of happening. In one case, I believe it was Pfizer, if I am remembering right, where somebody that received a vaccine 
who didn't have COVID beforehand ended up having COVID. Now, it's possible that they might have had a lower form of COVID not identified from the test or a mutation that got stronger uh, and whatnot. That could be a possibility. But there, there needs to make sure that, it, that the case of that happening is limited and the doctors and uh, scientists and epidemiologists and whatnot need to make sure that they know the exact reasons as to why that was the case. So this article is very good at showing examples of how these vaccines need to be stored and the potential side effects that could happen because many of these vaccines have to be stored in severe temperatures such as 39 degrees Celsius or 40 degrees Celsius and that is extremely cold and I believe those are supposed to be negative temperatures and not uh, positive temperatures when it comes to the vaccine. So if you're interested in that, you can read. But really, the whole idea of a vaccine and side effects are, for the lack of better words, I think people would be okay if the vaccine has a high success rate and the idea of side effects are low enough that a cough or maybe a, a rash or some sort of lower side effect happens. But you don't want to make sure that any major side effect happens, such as a major mutation that the virus could then grow and infect more people and basically you could have COVID-20 or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? You basically have another version of COVID. But I don't really want to talk too much about side effects in particular because I am no means an expert on that and I don't want to state anything that isn't right because I don't want to share misinformation. And that's where I would highly suggest either researching it on yourself with scientific journals are watching around midnight undercourse twitch stream where he kind of talks about some of these claims now obviously you have to make sure that you verify claims as well yes he is a doctor but at the same time you do have to make sure that everything is uh 100 right before you do something in that way so in other words scientific journals are a very good way to go but since this is just a blog article and i don't know too much about it i didn't really want to talk in particulars about the side effects so, that is kind of where I wanted to end today's podcast. I hope you liked it. Uh, I do have some videos up on my YouTube channel, The Breakdown with Birkenoff. So, if you're interested in listening to me more or watching my content, you can go there and check out some videos there. I'm going to be live streaming next week and maybe even having a voter fraud stream as well. So, I would recommend checking that out as well. But, thank you for watching me now. If you're watching live or in the past, if you're watching on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you might be listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and see you next time.